Please be seated. Good morning. Tim, that was me calling. Uh, I've had a lot of stuff happen while I was speaking before. I don't think I've ever received a phone call uh, while I was speaking. Now, I did do it once as uh, we sort of staged something, and so I knew it was coming, and it was part of the, uh, the, the, the act, so to speak, but I don't think I've ever received one while I was speaking. So, uh, well done. You handled that well. It's almost like you talk for a living or something. <clears throat> uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to, uh, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, 25 through, uh, through 38. That's where we'll be in just a few minutes. Luke chapter 2. We all anticipate the arrival of, of good things, yes or no? Yeah, we all do. You know, um, the birth of a child. When, you know, uh, you or your wife is pregnant, you're expecting a baby, you know, there's this anticipation, this sense of, of waiting as you go through those, those months and you see the child begin to grow and you feel the child begin to move until the day arrives that that child is, is born and it is just a, uh, such an anticipation. You know, it's completely miserable to the, the, the woman on one hand, but it is something that she is usually willing to endure to anticipate or to, to, to get the arrival of that child. But it's something that is looked forward to, it is longed for the day that your child arrives. Or, you know, it could be that you know, you've, somebody that you haven't seen in a long time and they're coming to, to visit you, you're going to see them and you anticipate getting to see them. Maybe it's your, your relatives and you're looking forward to them coming and, and spending the, the holidays with you. Or, or maybe you're anticipating them leaving. I don't know. But it, you know, we, we anticipate the arrival or even departure of, of good things. You know, maybe it's the, you know, the day that, that you get to retire and you're looking forward to that where you'll finally have time to, to get to the honey-do list you know, that you have. To get to be able to travel and to do things and to spend time or more time with your, your, your children or your grandchildren or more time enjoying a hobby. You know, you sort of look forward to that day or you anticipate the day your kids finally move out. You know, we anticipate, we anticipate good things. But as a kid, as a kid, there is probably nothing more anticipated than the coming of Christmas. Can I get amen? Okay, what about adults? You think so too? Are we with that too? The coming? Yeah, there's probably nothing that is more anticipated than the coming of Christmas. I remember when, when we were kids, my brothers and I, we would all wait for the Christmas edition of the Sears catalog. You remember that thing? Remember how thick that is? You'll have to Google it. Remember how awesome the Sears catalog, oh, the, the high gloss pages, and they had the scenes set up with all the toys? And we would go through that thing with a pen, and we would circle what we want. Who's, who has done that before? 
Man, good. We're among friends. I'm glad. Don't you have great memories of doing that? You'd circle it and you'd write your name on it and then you'd see something your brother wants and you'd scratch it out. Circle a doll or something. You know, I, I, I still have those dolls that they got me. I just don't know what to do with them. But you anticipated Christmas morning. Probably the toughest time, at least for me, during the, the Christmas season was after dinner and after opening presents on Christmas Eve at my grandparents' house. That was the toughest time because that was the stretch where I had to go home and go to bed because Santa Claus was coming. And if we didn't get to sleep, what happened? He's going to pass right by the house or bag of switches or something. I don't know. Anybody ever actually get a bag of switches? Donnie, I know you did. <laughs> Several. Wow. But trying to lay there as a child from like 10 p.m. till the next morning was, you know, for a child, you know, that was like absolute torture as you anticipated what was coming. As you thought about the next morning when you'd get up and you'd tear into those presents and it'd be just great and pandemonium and you just couldn't wait to go outside and, and play with them or ride the bike or, or whatever it was. And it was just, you know, you just looked forward to it every single year and our parents just absolutely loved it. No, no, they didn't love it? Oh, I don't know. Mine probably didn't. But you looked forward to that time. And, and it's hard to believe that that time is here once again. It is here. You know, it, it, it's here, and we start preparing for Christmas. How many of you went uh, shopping on Friday? Not as many as I thought, but y'all look good. Look like you didn't get punched. So maybe, did you punch anybody? Bethany may have. That's how she rolls. Um, but yeah, it's time. We go and we shop and we spend money and do all of these things preparing for Christmas. There's the rush, there's the shopping. And, and, and you know this as well as I do because people talk about it every year and it becomes more and more evident every year that, that Christmas is just, it's become far more commercialized than, it's ever ha than it ever has been. Okay, and you know, when that happens, we miss the meaning of it and all of that. And I'm, you know, we'll talk more about that as we get closer to Christmas, but what I want to talk about this morning is what if there was a, a different way to approach this time of year, and that's what we're going to, to talk about. Today is the first day of what is known as Advent. In more liturgical churches, and that's just a, a fancy church word that, that has to do with a, uh, a much more uh, traditional form of worship. There's very specific readings that take place throughout the service. There are very specific hymns that are, are sung uh, from, from week to week or, or season to season. But in more liturgical churches that follow what is, I guess, called the, the Christian calendar, today begins the season of Advent. And it is the beginning of the liturgical year, uh, and it's followed by the Christmas season, which is followed by Epiphany, which is followed by Lent, which is followed by Easter. You know, those are things that we're, we're fairly 
familiar with in the, in the calendar. So we asked, what is Advent? We talked about this a little bit last year. Advent, you know, it's a, it's a Latin word. It comes from the word aventus, and it simply means arrival or coming. So if you hear somebody talking about Advent or celebrating Advent, that's what they're, that's what they're talking about. And that's what I want us to focus on for these next few weeks leading up to Christmas is the advent, the coming, the, the arrival. And it's, it lasts for about four weeks. It begins usually, or, or it begins four Sundays out from Christmas. So, you know, there's some variation on the date. So this year, you know, it begins today on November 29th, and it ends on Christmas Eve. It ends on December 24th. The Christmas season actually begins on, on uh, Christmas Day, and it runs about 12 days, running out to January the 6th. And that's, you know, the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, is kind of tied into, into that, into the, the, the Christmas season. But the time before Christmas is Advent, and it is to prepare us, or to prepare those who participate in it or observe it, it is to prepare them for the coming Christmas season. During the Advent, the Hebrews, you know, the Hebrews, they looked forward to the coming of the Savior. They looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, which was the first Advent, the first arrival of, uh, of Jesus. Christians celebrate the birth of Jesus by remembering also this longing that the Jews had for a Messiah. You, know, you can look through the Old Testament and you can read the, the prophecies that the Jews had of the Messiah as they awaited His arrival. As you get into the New Testament and they begin to ask questions, are you the one? Are you the one that we have heard about? They are anticipating that Jesus is coming, that the Messiah, that the Christ, the Anointed One, is going to come among their people. A people who had been oppressed and uh, had been put down, they had been abused, and they were waiting for the one that was going to come and end it all. Now then, they didn't completely understand what kind of Savior Jesus was going to be. A lot of them thought He was going to be a political Savior. But He came to do something much more important than that, than to just free them from the oppression of Rome. He came to free them from the oppression of their sin. And He didn't just do that for them, He, he does that for, for us as well. And so it, while this is something that probably most of us are, are not used to doing, because you know, we don't typically follow a, the, the Christian calendar, our, our church is considered a non-liturgical church, we ask the question, you know, why, why might someone consider doing this? Why might we consider focusing on this during these four Sundays that, that lead up to, to Christmas? Traditionally, Advent counts down the four weeks leading up to, uh, to Christmas, but it's not in the way that, that we do it, you know, circling the catalog and shopping and counting down and putting the elf on the shelf and all of that stuff, you know. I mean, that's ways to do it. But it's, it's, it's more important than that. In Advent, Advent reminds us to look forward to the return of Jesus every day. 
You see, Advent, when we focus on the first coming of Jesus, we're reminded of that. And you know, Jesus, and, and hopefully you've, you've heard this before, Jesus was not born on December 25th, okay? If that is earth-shattering to you, find me later and we'll sit down and talk about it. But he's not born on December 25th, okay? Uh, you don't have to tell your kids that. Um, but that's not, that's not the birthday of Jesus. But that is when the world celebrates the birth of Jesus. Okay? And that's a great thing for us to do. Because it's during that time that people might be a little more willing to hear about Jesus. And to hear about what He has, has done. And so as we think about Advent, as we think about the coming of Jesus, that first anticipated arrival of Jesus, it not only reminds us of that and what the Jews were waiting for all that time, it should and it is supposed to focus us on the second advent, the return of Jesus when he comes back and he, he calls all of his children to him. And he takes us home to, to be with God. It's, it's in advent that we're reminded ourselves of just how much we need a Savior. And that is a great reason why we might consider observing this. Because it takes our focus a little bit. You know, when, when we think about that, when we think about, okay, Christmas is coming. If we're focused on Jesus, then maybe that will help us keep from getting caught so much in the, the consumer mentality that, that our country is surrounded and, and steeped in. You know, maybe it would help us to be more kind to, to one another, help us to be more thoughtful, help us to, to be more charitable as we, we move toward that day. Maybe it will give us an opportunity to, to speak about our, our, our faith in Jesus. It's in this season that we keep in mind both advents of Christ the first that took place in Bethlehem, and the second advent that is, that is yet to come. It's, it's during this season that we think about resetting Jesus Christ as the center of our lives, right? And if we're being completely honest with ourselves, chances are probably pretty good that at some point during our year, Jesus is not always at the center of our life. Can, it's just, if you're with me, say yeah, or raise your hand or something like that, because that's true for me. This is a chance for us to reset Him at the center of our life, at our, at our focus. And it's a time for us to, to be ready for His return. It's a time as we, we, we read the, the, the birth narratives and think about this, we can expect to be inspired and, and challenged. We can be refocused as we think about the second coming and, and, and what that means to Christians we can be broken in our, our sin, but we can also be motivated. We can be unified and, and encouraged. We can be expectant. You know, and that's, that's how we should live our lives. You know, and if I'm, again, going to be honest with you, I don't live every single day with an expectation that Jesus is going to return. Is anybody else with me on that? Because I, I just, I, I, I don't, I should, that should be what I think about when I get up first thing in the morning, okay? That should be the last thing that I, I think about when I go to bed, but it's not. 
Okay? Now, at times it is. But, you know, like, like all of us, we get busy and we get focused on other things and we have jobs and our kids are in school. Uh, They've got different things that are, that are going on in our lives. You know, we've got things that are, are, are tough. We've got busy schedules. We've got things that are great. And we just get, you know, we just get unfocused. When what we really should be focused on and, and preparing ourselves for is the coming of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus. Just like we talked about last week as we closed out our series uh, our, our twisted series. You know, the, the point of that from, from Matthew 24 was be ready. Okay, that's what Jesus is telling us. Live in anticipation because I'm, I'm coming back. You know, he, he, told, his, he told his disciples in, in, in uh, John, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You can't go now. I'm going to prepare it for you, but then I'm going to come back and get you, and I'm going to bring you there with me. And that's what we can focus on during this season. Um, you know, and, and uh, my family is going to, to do something different this year. I, I think I talked about this last year, but something that we're going to do, and if you wanted to, to do this and add a traditional element to it, you can add uh, an Advent wreath. And that, that's basically what it looks like right there. It's, it's five candles. Um, uh, and it can be as, as, as simple, you know, you sort of surround it with the, the four candles, you put a white one in the middle, um, and every Sunday of Advent, so if you decided to do this beginning today, you would light a candle, and then you would read a scripture, and, and you would say a prayer together, and it's just like a little devotional that you, you do with your family. And the next Sunday, you'd light another candle, and then the next Sunday, you'd light three candles, and the next Sunday... You light four till it gets to Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and you light the white one, which is just it's just called the Christ candle, and it it reminds us that, that that Jesus is coming. And some people choose to do that, and some don't. But that's just another way, a sort of a visual reminder that you can have in your house. You know, uh, we're going to do that tonight at our life group. Actually, that's what we're going to do. We're gonna we're gonna light a candle. We're going to read some scriptures about Jesus, and we're going to to spend some time. Uh, we're going to spend some time. Praying, And so that's kind of a, a traditional thing that you can do if you, you'd like to do that. In the book of Luke, in the book of Luke in chapter 2, we read of a story that is not anywhere else in the Gospels, but it is the story of an elderly couple. And they have been waiting a long, long time for the coming of Jesus. Uh, and what takes place is this beautiful story as Mary and Joseph come to Jerusalem with Jesus. Let's start reading together in, in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. That's the, the hope of, of Jesus. That's the hope of the Messiah, the, the first advent, the coming of Jesus. That's what he's looking forward to. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. The Holy Spirit basically said to him, until you see Jesus, you're not going to die. You're going to keep on living. 
Tradition says that Simeon was about 113 years old at this point. Anybody want to live to be 113? I don't think I do, you know. But all he is waiting on is to see Jesus, to see the Messiah. Verse 27 says, Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple complex. When the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under law, Simeon took him up in his arms and he praised God. He speaks this prophecy and this prayer. He says, now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. He's saying, I have seen the Messiah. I'm ready. You can, you can release me now. He is here. You have prepared this, this salvation for all peoples. You have revealed this, or you're going to reveal this to the Gentiles. What he is saying is that the good news that Jesus is for the Jews is for every single one of us. And that's good news for us. Because, you know, we're not... We are not ethnically Jewish. Okay? We're not ethnically Jewish. We are Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And in Simeon, as he's praying this prayer, he's saying salvation is not just going to come to the Jews, but it's going to come to all of mankind. It's going to come to every, every single one of us. Verse 33 says, his father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the rise and fall of many in Israel and be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. As a young mother, that's not the words you want to hear somebody speak about your child, right? That's, I mean, that's not, that, that's not what you want to see. Your child is going to cause the rise and the fall of many, and a sword will pierce your own soul. What's, what's Simeon talking about? He's, he's talking, uh, first of all, when he's talking about the rise and the fall, he's saying what you and I already know, that so many people are going to turn away from Jesus, that they're going to reject him, that they're not going to believe that he is the Messiah sent by God. And so people are going to fall. They're going to reject him. The Jews we're going to be the first ones who fall. What verse was it? It's uh, uh, later on in, in Luke 19 where Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem and He says, you, you didn't recognize the time of your visitation. 
You didn't recognize that I was here. You didn't recognize that, that I am Messiah. And so it is the Jews, the chosen people, who are the first ones to fall. But those who rise are the ones who give their life to Jesus. Those who live in the joyful, expectant return of Him coming back to, to, to save us. And then He says a sword will, will pierce your own soul. And He's talking to Mary. And he's talking about the, the suffering that she bore through Jesus' rejection and death on the cross as she witnessed her, her son be beaten and, and crucified before her, her very eyes. Well, it goes on, and then in verse 36, it says, There was also a, a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. So it's believed that you know she's about 100 years old herself. She did not leave the temple complex, serving God day and night with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and she began to thank God and speak about Him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She sees Jesus, the Messiah, and she interprets, she interprets who this is, and then she begins to declare the message of God, that the Messiah that we've been waiting on, He is here. He is here. She's one of the first people to, really, she's one of the first people to preach about Jesus, but she's saying, He's here, we've been waiting on Him, and He has he has arrived. Simeon lived his whole life waiting to see the Messiah. Anna, the, the, the prophetess, she spends her time in the temple serving God day and night. Now then, we know she believes in the Messiah because she's talking about it, so what can we draw her, that she too is also awaiting the Messiah. And now he was here. And Simeon is rejoicing because now he can go home to, to be with God. And Anna is rejoicing because the Savior of the world is there and she can see Him in the flesh. And we know how the story goes. Jesus grew and came a man and he went to the cross and he, he took away all the, the sins of the world. And he was resurrected on the third day and he went back to heaven after a time. And so now we find ourselves waiting in that time, that time of anticipation of when Jesus is going to come back. And the thing is, we don't know. And as we saw last week, Jesus doesn't know. Only God knows. But we have to be ready. We have to be like the, the, uh, the prepared virgins from the story, from the parable in, in Matthew 25. You know, they're, they're waiting on the bridegroom to come. There's ten virgins. Five of them are ready. They've got their, their oil lamps ready, and five don't. Five don't have oil. They're not ready. And all of a sudden, in the night, 
the bridegroom comes and, you know, they're out of oil. The other ones don't have enough. They only brought enough for their lamps, and so they got to go try to find oil in the middle of the night. They go out, and they come back, and what do they find? The door is closed, and they can't get in. We are living in that parable right now. The question is, what kind of, of virgins are we? Are we the prepared kind that have our oil lamps ready to start the feast when the bridegroom shows up? Or are we going to find ourselves unprepared? You know, that's what it was about. Be prepared because I'm, I'm coming back. And so now we live in that expectation, that longing for Jesus, and, and we should be, and, and we and I, I have to, it has to begin with me, I have to begin every single day to live in a joyful expectation of the return of Jesus. And if I was going to make a point this morning, that's what it would be. Live with a joyful expectation of Jesus' return. If we are followers of Christ, that is how we, we need to live. You see, but a lot of times I think we're, 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 we're anchored to this world. You know, we're anchored to our stuff. We're anchored to our, our station in life. We're, our identity is wrapped up in our, in our jobs or in our homes, in, in how much money we make. You know, and when those things are, are more important, or at least when they move themselves to the front, it's hard to live with that anticipation, isn't it? Because we draw satisfaction from those things. When those things are material and they're going to be destroyed. But what will not be is our soul. And that's eternal. And all of the stuff that we have is rubbish compared to what God and what Jesus Christ is preparing for us. But the problem is, is we get focused and we get anchored down here. And when you're anchored here, it's hard to anticipate going there. Or at least it is for me. And so that's what I want us to do, is if we observe this, this season of Advent, to live with a joyful expectation of, of the return of Jesus. Simeon's prophecy and his, his prayer brings to mind a question that all of us must answer. And the question is this, am I prepared to die? Not do I want to die, but am I prepared to die? In other words, has, have I allowed God through Jesus Christ to do the work on my soul that needs to be done? Work that I cannot do myself. Am I prepared to die. Now that none of us like to think about our mortality, but every single day we are faced with. Okay? 
And some of us have come face to face with it. And if we're not prepared to die, then mortality is a scary thing. Or at least it can be or maybe should be. But if we are prepared, as in we've confessed that Jesus is our Lord, we've surrendered our life to Him, if we are prepared to die, you know, then, then our attitude can be exactly like Simeon's. Lord, I'm ready. You can release me now. Because I am prepared. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to be with you. This world is tough. It's kicked us around. I'm ready to get out of here. And so that's, that's the question that we have to think about. And, and, and you can only answer it for yourselves. You can't answer it for anybody else. And so I hope that every one of us will not just hear this question, not just see it on the screen, but we will really consider this question am am i prepared to die you know what and take that question take that question and play with it with its enunciations am i prepared to die am i prepared to die am i prepared to die you see what that does you see what changing the inflection does it gives a different enunciation, a different uh, emphasis on each word. That's actually called Lectio Divina, and that's a great way to read Scripture and to get an understanding of Scripture, to change the enunciation and emphasis on the, the, uh, the different words. But that's a good way to, to think this through. Am I prepared to die, or am I prepared to die? Because according to Scripture, Death is something that we are going to face. We know that. We know that. Our ancestors are dead and buried proof of that. We are going to die. But are we going to be ready? You see, with Jesus, and you anticipate Advent, you anticipate that second coming, and you look forward to it with with joyful expectation. That's how I want to live every day of my life. Don't you? That's, that's how I, I want to live. I want to read to you the prayer. This is the, the common book of prayer. And this is the prayer for the first Sunday of Advent. So pray with me. Almighty God, Give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life in which thy Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility. That in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who liveth and reigneth with thee, with thee and the Holy Ghost, one God, now and forever. Amen. So how are we living? 
How are you, how are you living? Two questions. Am I prepared to die? Have I given my life to Jesus? If, if not, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to confess him. I need to be baptized into his name. And if I am prepared to die, am I living with a joyful anticipation and expectation of his return? That's what we think about. That's what we focus on during the season of Advent. If we can help you, pray for you, if we can baptize you into Jesus today, if you to a decision, you realize I am not prepared and I want to give my life to Christ. If you want to do that, we can help you with that today. If you need prayers from the church, we'll be glad to help you. Whatever we can do for you, if we can help you, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing.